This is a No Borders Media Audio Dispatch. This past Friday, September 21st, 2018, tens of thousands of high school students in Ontario from close to 100 schools walked out of their classes in protest against regressive changes to sexual education, as well as other curriculum changes proposed and implemented by the right-wing Doug Ford Conservative government. The walkout was called We the Students Do Not Consent and was inspired, partially, by high school student organizing in the United States. For an insider view, No Borders Media speaks with three Toronto-area high school students who helped to organize and participate in the walkout. Thea Baines, Benjamin Dahl, and Amina Vance. Together, Thea, Benjamin, and Amina provide background to the origins of the walkout, standing together for all students, including queer and trans youth, the behind-the-scenes organizing and coordination between students from close to 100 schools, and how it felt to successfully organize a walkout that mobilized thousands. They also reflect on organizing challenges and look ahead to the alliances and strategies necessary to defeat the socially and economically right-wing agenda of the Ford government. This interview was recorded on September 23rd, 2018 by Jaggy Singh for No Borders Media. I'm speaking with Amina Vance, Thea Baines, and Ben Dahl. All three of them are high school students in the Toronto area. They were organizers and part of the We the Students Do Not Consent Ontario Walkout 2018 that took place late last week. They are speaking uh, with me on the phone from a location in the downtown west area of Toronto, Dundas West. Amina, Thea, and Ben, welcome to No Borders Media. Thanks for having us. Let's get into it. Maybe you can introduce yourselves, uh, the high school you go to, and I know we're talking about two different schools here, so one of you can talk about one of the schools, and, and the person who goes to the other school can talk about the other one. Introduce yourselves, let us know a, a little bit about yourselves. Um, hi, my name is Amina Vance, and I'm 17. I go to Western Czech, and me and Sia are the co-organizers of the Western Czech student walkout. Um, I'm Sia Bain. I'm one of the co-organizers for the Western Czech walkout, along with Amina Vance. My name is Benjamin Dahl. I'm a student at the Student School, which is an alternative school attached to Western Tech and Ursula Franklin Academy that focuses on um, building support structures for students to finish their diplomas and just offering whatever they need. Amina or Thea, can you just tell us a little bit more about uh, Western Tech High School? Um, so Western Tech is a technical commercial high school in Toronto's West End. It's kind of known to be, a lot of people don't think it's a great school, but honestly, I really love going there. I think there's a lot of great people at the school, a lot of people trying to make the world a better place. Um, they've got both programs for people who want to go into college and programs for people who want to go into university. And I think it's just a pretty supportive community. Several weeks ago, Doug Ford was elected and sworn in as the new premier of Ontario. He, uh, he came in with his cabinet, and he's brought forward a bunch of policy changes, which seemingly has pissed off a lot of people in Ontario, but particularly high school students. You three represent some of those students, so could one or two of you just talk about some of the issues that have come up in the past few weeks that motivated the walkout that happened late last week? So the issues that mainly the the walkout is focusing on confronting are the issues of Doug Ford cutting the 2015 sex ed curriculum, health curriculum that was uh, introduced by the past Liberal government and bringing us all the way back to the 1998 uh, sex ed curriculum, which for obvious reasons 
is clearly inadequate. It does not have any kind of information about LGBTQ youth. It doesn't have the adequate information about youth with mental health issues. It doesn't teach properly about consent. And as well, it has huge gaps when it comes to learning about the internet and how the internet plays into people's lives, people's sexual lives, people's interpersonal lives with cyberbullying and all sorts of other dangers that can happen on the, online. And the other issue is that Doug Ford has also cut the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission uh, new curriculum, updated curriculum. So uh, they were working on improving the Indigenous curriculum in schools, and he's cut both of those areas. And we, as high school students, really see that those are areas where Ontario needs to improve their education greatly, and to see them being cut so dramatically was very upsetting to us. Theo or Ben, do you want to add anything to the post-forward environment in Ontario, particularly as it relates to uh, high school students? Yeah, so basically, we think that we're a modern generation of kids. We need modern sex ed, and we need modern truth and reconciliation education because we need to become a new generation of adults who can love and respect each other and who value things like diversity and equality and things that we just all want to uh, things that we just we really need in our society Um, and we just think that by taking us back to 1998 they're not really giving us that education what do you feel is the motivation for Ford cutting this? Uh, what was happening in the election campaign that would lead him to uh, go back to the 1998 curriculum? I have a sense of it, which is that uh, there's a lot of conservative people who feel the new curriculum is is too provocative. But uh, give us uh, give us your take on why what's motivating this this uh, uh, this cutting back of the curriculum and going back to the 98 sex ed curriculum. Amina here. I think that the Doug Ford's Custer curriculum are clearly just pandering to this audience who doesn't understand what the curriculum actually is and doesn't understand what youth need or is actively being willfully blind to what youth need to thrive and to survive in today's world. He's pandering to an intensely anti-queer audience and an intensely anti-women audience. And both of those are served very well by these cuts to curriculum. Let's get into some of the details of what's the difference between the 98 sex curriculum and what would have been the new sex ed curriculum, just so our listeners have a real sense. You've already given a general sense that the new curriculum would be more attuned to the Internet age, would be more attuned to LGBTQ rights, and all of the developments that have happened in in basically the last... uh, 20 years, which is, um, which is a whole generation. So can you give some specifics, one of you uh, or two of you, about uh, what are the differences between the 98 curriculum and what would have been the 2018 curriculum? Thea here. So a lot of the changes are that they start talking about issues earlier, which many conservative people think is inappropriate for younger children to learn about this. But obviously, we live in a modern era where kids are exposed to things like Um, sex and LGBTQ issues and consent from a very early age. Um, So we need them to be educated so they know what is okay and what is not okay. For example, one of the very controversial things in the new sex ed curriculum is that they teach um, 
grade one students about their body parts and they teach them what is okay to be touched and what is not okay to be touched. And many, many um, more conservative people think it's inappropriate for younger children to be learning about their bodies. But what we've seen from the new sex ed curriculum is with these changes, younger kids can start speaking up about people inappropriately touching them and things like sexual assault and sexual harassment. So basically, this change has been really um, important to helping create a more understanding and a better society, but people still think it's wrong. On that note, I would just like to really highlight that the new sex ed curriculum as opposed to the old one has this huge difference of the climate around queer people that it was created in. 1998 was pre the legalization of same-sex marriage and also culturally the ideas around queer people and especially the ideas around trans people and gender identities has changed dramatically and I know that nowadays there are a lot more children, young children that are coming forward as being gender non-binary, gender non-conforming at a young age because the climate is really different and so they need to be in an environment that is protecting them and welcoming them and teaching them that they're, the way that they feel about their bodies, the way they feel about themselves is valid and teaching their peers that they need to respect that. Let's get into the other uh, main area that, that motivated the walkout, which is my understanding is that the Truth and Reconciliation Commission, among its very many recommendations, which we're supposed to all take seriously as you know, non-Native people are supposed to take these really seriously as a way of, of, of trying to come up with a new relationship with Native people, which isn't rooted in oppression and genocide. One of the recommendations, a very simple one, is that there should be lesson plans around Indigenous culture, around the uh, Truth and Reconciliation Commission, and that's been canceled. So could one of you just get into a little bit more detail about what was supposed to be taught and, and why this was canceled? It just seems ludicrous that um, people learning about Indigenous culture is something that was pulled out of the curriculum by Ford. It just seems gratuitous. So, Amina here, yeah, as my understanding is that what has been cancelled specifically is the, even just the consultation of the Truth and Reconciliation Commission around the lesson plans and around the curriculum. So they, uh, it's clearly, as you stated, very important, and we have this huge responsibility and this huge um basically weight of things that we need to deal with as a settler colonial country, as a settler colonial system, uh, which the provincial government is, that we need to deal with and we need to fix all of the issues that have been happening around Indigenous people since uh, settlers first started, began to occupy Canada. And so to, to move us even further backward. We already are in a position where we are backward around our relations with Indigenous people. And to move us even further backward by denying even the education of this new generation on these so important, so pressing issues. I know that me and Thea, and I can speak for Bendal as well, did not receive adequate education around Indigenous people in elementary school, in high school. It's not built into the... To the uh, history curriculum properly and is not built into any curriculum properly and so to take away to take us move us even further backward when we're already in such a low position is really disgusting of what to do 
let's move in. I, I, I definitely want to get into talking about the walkout itself. Uh, there's tens of thousands of students from all over Ontario that walked out of their classes late last week. But before doing that, I, as an organizing nerd, I'm just really curious about how you got to that point. How did people coordinate? How did people talk together? Now, I know the three of you, two of you go to the same high school, uh, but you share the same building, the same sort of campus area. There are three places there, Ursula Franklin, uh, Western Tech, and the student school. But um, how did how did this coordination happen, and how did you decide on the demands? How did you decide even on the, on the title, Students Do Not Consent, which is a really good one, by the way, because it really underlines uh, the issue here, but it also underlines the fact that you know, having a solid sex ed curriculum teaches people about important things like what is consent and how that, that has definitely changed the perception of consent uh, to be more meaningful now than it would have been like 20 years ago. So how did you guys um, start talking about these issues? School, got, school was back in late August and early September for most people, but how did that organizing happen? Well, first of all, the high school students were really angry. We're angry about these changes and I think we've described already today how disgusting it is that Ford has been doing this and with all this anger comes a lot of creativity and imagination for what we could do so some mutual friends of ours um, Rain Fisher Quinn and Indigo R. Scott um, came up with the idea to have a student walk out across Ontario and me and Amina heard about it and thought you know what this is an amazing opportunity, especially at the very beginning of the year, you know, just to be punchy, be like, we're back in school and we want to learn. Um, so the word really spread on social media. We used a lot of Instagram. Every school started up, a, for example, we had Western Tech Walkout. Um, ours was the first, Amina just wants me to add that ours was the first Instagram account for a school. Um, and it just spread like wildfire, really. Um, first there were maybe 10 schools by the next week there were 40 and by last week we had 100 schools um, ready to walk out also at our own school we've been doing flyering and postering and getting together a group of kids who really care about the issue so that they can tell all their friends kind of like influencers of our community someone like Doug Ford is a pretty antagonistic person towards left-wing activists and, you know, if, if he cuts the sex ed curriculum, he's the kind of person who thinks, oh, these students are having their strings pulled from someone behind the scenes. You know, there's left wing teachers or what have you that are, are forcing you to do this. So can you just address that? I mean, this doesn't come from Doug Ford. It probably comes from a lot of, um, I don't know how to put it, more traditional parents <laughs> uh, who, who don't think that high school students uh, are going to be able to do this self-organizing on their own. I, when I ask that question, I just want to say that I, I know and I, I do think that youth and even people who are younger are fully capable of self-organizing and, you know, over the last 15, 20 years on immigration issues, on indigenous issues, on this issue, students all over the world have, uh, have mobilized. But address this idea that somehow uh, there must be some other force behind the scenes, whether it's left-wing teachers and their unions, whether it's the NDP or or the liberals that that are manipulating you that, or that are pulling the strings? Uh, Amina here, and I just wanted to say that really this is a protest completely by students for students, and I understand that when people in power, such as Doug Ford and 
his cabinet, the people that align themselves with him, see mm-hmm. students rising up like this, their first instinct is going to pretend like we couldn't do this on our own. And this was called by two people. It was called by Indigo and by Rain. And from them, a whole coalition of over 100 schools have come together and mobilized. And I know at our school, at least, we did not have support from administration. We did not have support from teachers. We did not have support from their union. And we didn't have support from the NDP. All of that was done by us. People individually uh, lent their personal support in some ways, but we had no affiliations with the school. It was not a school-sanctioned event, and they did not provide us any assistance. Uh, In fact, they did many things. They didn't like how we were organizing. They didn't like our tactics. We were being too pushy. We were called down to the office many times to, to be told that our tactics were too pushy. Our tactics were too aggressive. And uh, we're doing it all as students ourselves. And as well, I wanted to mention that a lot of the students that at Western, uh, at the student school and at Ursula Franklin, who we spoke to, are not uh, party affiliated. So they're not, they would never call themselves NDP supporters. They're just students who, when you sit down with them and you talk to them, and this is how we got a lot of people, is just, just walking around the school, walking around the neighborhood and talking to high school students. And saying, do you know, do you, do you even know who Doug Ford is? And if you do, do you know that he's cutting our curriculum in this dramatic way? And if you take a minute and a half to just lay it out and tell them how we're going to be affected by this and how younger generations are going to be affected by this, overwhelmingly, students who have no political connection, no connection to leftist teachers mingling with them, they hear the issues and they understand that it's a big deal. And that's why people came out. This is Benjamin here. And just to add on to that, this uh, also closely relates to the issue of the sex ed repeal and the uh, in- indigenous teachings repeal, where, whereby the progressive conservative government seems to think that uh, a lot of these students don't know what's good for them, right? They, they think that we need to be guided by their own uh, ignorant, for, for like, uh, ig- ignorant views of what we should be learning with no regard to how the political landscape has changed or how the socioeconomic uh, landscape has changed in the past 20 years. Um, so by, uh, by, by saying things like, oh, these, these students don't know what, what's good for them. They're, they're being backed by uh, radical teachers who are, who are trying to push their agenda. That's just extremely ignorant to the fact that we are also people who pay close attention to politics and we pay close attention to the news and policy that affects us and our future and our children's future. So it's really just important to like, it's really important to understand the gravity that of this, uh, this movement that we created on our own um, with, with no, no regard to political party affiliation or anything like that. And no, certainly no sponsorship, no financial endorsement by anyone. We didn't even have, uh, security for the event. There were supposed to be um, police officers to make sure that nothing went wrong, but they didn't even show up and no one got hurt. Everyone just had a really great time rallying with each other and uh, uniting under a common goal of making our education the best that we can and making it an education that our future deserves. So let's get more into this uh clearly autonomous uh, organizing by high school students in the Toronto area. You had mentioned that this sort of spread like wildfire where 
people started coordinating between schools, and it goes from a couple of schools to very quickly over 100 all over Ontario. How were you able to communicate and coordinate? I know you were using Instagram and other forms of social media, but in terms of determining, for example, the date of, of the walkout, the title, the demands, how, was, how were those discussions happening between schools and between students all over Ontario? Um, so, Thea here. We really, um, it was actually pretty amazing that we were able to do it in such a short amount of time. But what we really wanted to do is show by having it so close to when school started, only two and a half weeks into the school year, that we are angry, we have voices, we need to be heard, and we need to be, we need to have a seat at that table. Um, so we, that's how we came up with the date, the us as organizers, we had a group chat on Instagram where we just kind of talked through issues. We talked about times, about hashtags, about what we really wanted to put forward as our message. And we just kept adding more and more people who said, hey, this sounds like a really good idea. I want to do this at my school until we had a giant network of motivated high school students all pushing towards one goal. Uh, Mina here. As well, we're really lucky to have such wonderful organizers as Rain and Indigo because they set out a framework that they worked on in the summer with the, ma- with the first hashtag and with that date. And then from there, we were able to mobilize and we were able to really flesh the idea out and make it as big as it became. What was the first has- hashtag? Was it we do not consent? We the students do not consent. We the students do not consent. All right. So let's, let's get into the walkout itself and how that looked. So I guess uh, I want to ask all three of you to describe what your past Thursday and Friday was like from where you were, from where you were. Um, what, was, what happened in the, in the, in the morning and, and what happened throughout the day. Just give us a sense of how it felt to be part of that walkout at both Western Tech and the student school. And I know students in Toronto at least uh, got together or some did at, at Queen's Park. So just describe what that day was like. So Ben here. Um, on the days leading up to the walkout, it, it became more and more eerily quiet in the halls, especially on the day and leading up to 1 o'clock, which was when the walkout was planned at all the schools. Um, everybody at that point knew what was going on. All the teachers knew that uh, there was this big event planned. So they were all very supportive of uh you know, just hinting like, is anybody is anybody going to go for a walk? Uh, when when a bunch of students started to go stand up and walk out of the halls and onto the field where we all gathered together. Once once that time came by, uh, it was really quite amazing seeing all all the students at my school. It's a very small school compared to Western, which has thousands of students. The student school only has a little less than 180, but there were tons of students slowly walking out of the halls walking together and then walking through the halls of Western to join everybody else uh, under the movement. And it, that, that's, that's basically my, my perspective of the walkout at that time. So I think, honestly, one of my favorite parts of the walkout was me and Amina, we had our megaphones out. We just, we started chanting in the hallways and you could just see the doors opening and 20 kids from each class just leaving and walking down the hallway in this joyous but motivated um, group. And it was just, it was an amazing feeling to see how much 
a support we had for this and how many people cared and how many people just really wanted to help. And then we walked down the stairs and it was just like a flood out the doors onto the field. It was just, it's honestly an amazing feeling as an organizer to see something like that happen. Amina here. I absolutely agree with you. That's one of the most magical moments of this, one of those really special moments. We had a tight little group, me and Thea and a few of the other people that we were working with. We had a lot of placards and we had our megaphones. Thea and I were chanting, uh, when education is under attack, what do we do? Stand up, fight back. And it's clear, it was clear at that moment to me that this was really something special because none of the students coming out of their classrooms had ever heard that chant before. None of those students coming out of those classrooms had ever stood at something and chanted stand up fight back and they were getting to for this first time they were getting this intense experience of having that voice of having that liberation from just sticking with the status quo constantly and really being able to speak up for something and that to see that and to see oh we think about 700 kids all piled together on the field chanting with their signs, people learning the chants for the first time and for the first time being able to feel like they were part of something like that. It was just beautiful. One of the uh, chants I read about was no ignorance, no hate, let's not go back to 98, <laughs> which I thought was a great one as well. Pretty creative. So let's let's get into uh, some more about the, stri- about the walkout. One difference between a walkout and a strike, uh, from what I understand, uh, um, and I'm not sure if you, you had the same understanding is that a walkout is basically voluntary while if, if people decide to strike, it's something that they would enforce and ask everybody to, to undertake. I was uh, a pretty close observer of the 2012 uh, CJEP and university student strike here in Quebec, and one of the most controversial aspects of it was that it was a strike so that students would enforce it, uh, even though there were students who didn't want to go on strike. If, if there was a majority vote by a given student association, everybody was compelled to, to do the strike. So uh, were there students who resisted? Um, uh, what was that like? It's a walkout, so it's voluntary, but to talk about that, that distinction between a walkout and a strike and, and who was coming out and who wasn't coming out. Amina here, yeah. I think that that distinction is really important. And we did face the I as who ended up being outed at some point as organizers through what we, we had to do. We had to start flyering and we... We really we tried to remain anonymous for a while, but then we had to put our uh, faces on the movement because we believed at that point that that was uh, really the best call to mobilize people. And at that point, we did face harassment. We faced harassment online from people across the country flooding our page with like, hateful comments. And we faced a lot of people telling us that this didn't matter and that this... Uh, was something that we, we shouldn't be doing, we were wasting our time. And we actually got to have some some individual, some one-on-one conversations with those people, which was really amazing as well because we actually did change some minds, explaining what a walkout really is, explaining that it's this historical technique used by students to show, to, and it's a technique in which students have a lot of power that they don't have in other situations. And with that, we were actually able to change a lot of minds and so I do believe that a walkout was the right call here as opposed to a strike. And I think that one issue sort of around that specifically is that since there is that element of harassment and since the far right feels so uh, entitled in the modern day 
to harass activists and to harass people, that I think it's important to, to know that students could stay in class, they could support us privately, but if they were concerned in some, uh, some scary environment about perhaps outing themselves as an activist or as a queer person, because of so much of the content is to do with uh, LGBTQ education, that I think it was important that people did have that choice, that they could support us privately and not necessarily be forced into action in that way. When you folks walked out in Toronto's West End from uh, Western Tech and from the student school and, and students from Ursula Franklin, there were students walking out all over Toronto and all over Ontario. It was hard to keep up, honestly, <laughs> and I'm not on Instagram, but uh, I know in Ottawa people walked out, in London, but can you give us a sense of where people were walking out uh, and were there, were there places where people were walking out where you yourselves were like, wow, that's amazing? Um, because it, it must sound, it must, it must feel great to to know that this is happening elsewhere, all over Ontario, and prob- probably in in some relatively remote locations as well. Yeah, Sophia here. Honestly, there were walkouts popping up everywhere. We had schools in conservative parts of Toronto, which we assumed weren't going to get walkouts. We had schools in small towns. One, especially that that kind of stands out to me is in Lindsay, Ontario, which is in the course of, um, which is known to be a very homophobic place and a very anti-Indigenous place. And to see that walk, that students would walk out there and students really care about this issue was just amazing. And honestly, I think one of the most important, Amina kind of touched on this earlier, one of the most important parts of this was that we were showing students across the province that as students, we have a voice, we are the people and we can use that voice to actually do good and actually help make a difference in not just our towns or our schools, but our, in our entire province and in turn our entire country, really. So it's, it's widely being reported that upwards of, of 40,000 or so, some outlets, media outlets are saying tens of thousands, but upwards of 40,000 students from upwards of 90 to 100 schools uh, walked out. I did some quick uh, research online, and Ontario has uh, roughly over 600,000 secondary school students. So that's pretty impressive. And if there's a takeaway that I get from listening to the three of you, it's um, beyond the fact that you're pissed off and angry at the fact that your your education is being compromised by things like proper sex education or indigenous awareness uh, being canceled or being changed, uh, I get the sense beyond being pissed off that you're organized and that the walkout that happened late last week is not so much an end of anything but a start to something. So could you talk about the next steps? Because clearly uh, someone like Doug Ford uh, doesn't simply respond to just protest. There needs to be something sustained uh, that's the lesson from past organizing and all kinds of struggles. So talk about uh, what's potentially uh, the next step here. Um, Thea here. So actually, um, today on Sunday, the 23rd, we are having a protest and a sit-in at Queen's Park um, as part of our movement to kind of continue on, keep the momentum flowing. That'll be a first step. Um, and then we're going to meet with that's the first time that we're actually going to meet a lot of the other organizers. So then we'll talk with them. I know a lot of people have ideas about, you know, 
having some sort of teach-in, having a die-in, different sort of protests as well. Um, there's been a shout out and some uh, messages received back from other organizations that the Ford government's changes will impact like unions, like people of color, like women's organizations, LGBTQ organizations, um, poverty, anti-poverty measures, who we hope by showing that we as students could do something like this, they will grab onto that momentum and push it further to show the Ford government that it's not just students, it's actually all of Ontario that this is impacting and all of Ontario that it's that's suffering because of their changes. Amina here, as next steps, there is a March for Our Education series of marches and rallies at Queen's Park that's been happening all summer and is continuing to happen. One of them is happening today, Sunday the 23rd, as Thea mentioned as well. There are several lawsuits that students are now getting involved in against the provincial government, lawsuits specifically uh, around the rights of trans students to have their voices and their identities recognized in the curriculum. And I know that there are organizers that were connected through this walkout and through this movement who are now giving their voice and giving their testimonies to those uh, lawsuits, which is a legal route to sort of have a parallel attack as well as the protests. I'm curious about some of your reference points or inspirations for the organizing right now that led to the walkout and as you continue. Often people live through political moments and that becomes a, a period for lessons for the next time. But if you're organizing in high school, it's it's most, more often than not one of the first times you're organizing in this way. So what kinds of inspirations have you drawn on? Uh, are you aware of, for example, the 2012 student strike in Quebec or uh, how people mobilized against Mike Harris uh, back when the Tories were in power then? Uh, are there books? Are there zines? Are there things being shared on social media that become reference points? Or, or is this is this uh, sort of learn as you go or a bit of both? Give us give our listeners and myself a sense of where you're drawing inspiration from and the kinds of people that you're reaching, you're going to potentially reach out to in the future so that this uh, this budding movement of, of uh, Ontario students uh, can grow and can can meet the demands that you have. Amina here. I know that a lot of the walkout organizers for the students not consent were directly inspired by the organizers in the States uh, for the March for Our Lives movement that was happening last year and is continuing to happen post the Parkland High School shooting. So a lot of our, they also had, they had walkouts, they had marches in the street, they had a march on Washington and a lot of our organizing is reflecting how much power they had in that moment and how much power they have mobilizing those communities and as students i know that there was there was a big a lot of reflection on that movement and hoping that we could apply it here as why it's named for that movement actually march for our lives and march for our education is the series of protests at queen's park that have been happening in toronto is named after that movement uh i'm just gonna jump in here see ya. um also i know that Definitely other student strikes have and student walkouts have contributed to the organization of this one, like the strikes in Montreal that the universities and the SAGEPs did, like um, the strikes, I think they were 20, 
2012, um, there was a student walkout against the um, contracting for the unions, Bill 115, the teachers unions. Um, I know that's where Amina and I started our walkouts. Um, and then just, I know that I can speak for Amina and myself, we've kind of got uh, organizing and social activism in our blood. Um, so it's just always been a part of our lives and we feel really passionately about it. I just wanted to add for myself personally, uh, this is a really, really amazing and new experience for me since my, my family has always been vocal with each other about uh, social issues that we care about. But uh, I, w I was never brought up like my friends here to be very politically active and very uh, outspoken against these issues that I care about in terms of going to protests, going to marches, organizing these myself. Um, so now that I have this opportunity in high school to be part of something like this, with the help of uh, such amazing students that care very deeply about the issues I'm concerned with too, it's, uh, it's really like liberating. It's, it's really liberating to uh, just have this opportunity, even though uh, that, that was never, never something that I was uh, involved with heavily as a child. So. Amina here. Ben Dahl actually told me this morning that when we met up to do this interview that the first time that he was at a really large rally was actually our, our walkout on Friday. And that I was so shocked because he, he had the microphone. He was leading people in chants. He was leading people in speeches. And to see that someone, that's their first time and that they, and that he was so influential and he was so wonderful during the walkout is really inspiring to me and I think it was inspiring to a lot of people. I definitely lost my voice yelling in the megaphone. That's an awesome way to lose your voice. <laughs> That's happened to me a few times over the years. Uh, I just, one question I had was about the demands. You've, you've been clear about two of them, but I'm wondering if there's other issues that have come up, if there's debates about uh, tactics, if, you know, I don't, I, don't, I don't need to hear about any dirty laundry or anything like that, but what I am interested in is, is sort of some of the different paths that people want to take, both in terms of the potential demands and in terms of the kinds of tactics and strategies that you might use in the future. So could you talk about uh, some of those debates or discussions that, that, um, that have happened and other potential demands or other potential alliances or other potential tactics and strategies that might be used by high school students that are organizing in Ontario? Amina here. I know that a third demand that was added onto the walkout later after our initial concerns around curriculum was actually Ford's cut to the budget to repair schools. I know there was a huge dollar figure of cut. I do believe it was a hundred million in, in cuts to repairing schools. So we had people who really care about that issue as well, who are in schools that are really run down and that it's, uh, it's hard to have a good learning environment when literally the building is falling apart and it shows that's really more of a broad showing of forward devaluing of public education. As for tactics, we had a lot of discussions and it's hard, it's hard to work with organizers from a hundred different schools, that's for sure. But I think that it was really wonderful that this was a clear defined movement of this one day uh, or one or two days of action of walkout. And then from here, I think there's gonna be a lot of branching off. So I've talked to people who are raising money now they they're mobilizing into fundraising for i know some, some people specifically are fundraising for their schools gsa's great gay straight alliances and i know that people are fundraising for the 519 in toronto which is a 
queer space on Church Street. And people are donating that money as well. Other schools are branching into doing letter writing campaigns, public education campaigns, where and people are making shirts and people are trying to be more visible in that way. Personally, Dee and I had a lot of discussion around logistics, uh, which was very difficult. Tactically, we were having a lot of discussion whether we wanted to stay at the school, whether we wanted to go down to Queens Park, and that was really difficult to figure out. And to be honest, uh, working with so many organizers, as our walkout was 700 students, and we were joining four different schools in the neighborhood together. And so the decision whether to walk to Queens Park on Friday or to go down on Sunday and all of those little things uh, were really a big challenge when organizing. But I actually think that that challenge is really positive because it shows that people have so many different ideas and that now that we're done this one initial day, this sort of wake-up call, this jolt to people's energy, I think it's, it's, I'm really excited to see where all of these organizers go spreading out in this network that we've now mobilized. Ben here. I just wanted to add on to those points that the the leverage that we have based on social media is just phenomenal. And this is going to be probably the main tool for rallying all of our students against these causes that they care about. Because everybody, all these students, most of these students have these ideas in their head from their uh, limited familiarity with the political uh, changes that are going on, but they don't, uh, they, they may not understand how they can work together and help to make the changes that are beneficial to all of us. So through social media that everybody is already on as high school students, that's one of the major demographics of social media. Uh, it's really, it's really going to be very influential in getting all these messages out there and rather rallying support for uh, all the issues that we've set forth. Another question I have is about, other organizing challenges. Uh, I'm I'm originally from Toronto. I went to high school there, and uh, you know Ontario, Toronto in particular, but all of Ontario is an incredibly diverse place. But that also means there's a lot of organizing challenges. Just you know, sort of give some examples. You know, in Toronto, you can either walk or or get on get on the the bus or or subway and be able to meet a lot of people. And there's a lot of people there, but a lot of areas of Ontario are pretty isolated. There's a huge income gap. There are people dealing with severe levels of poverty. There's a difference between, say, Toronto area students who come from political backgrounds, as, as you've, you guys have described, and newer immigrants, uh, people who, whose parents don't speak English as a, as a first language, people who are scared. A lot of undocumented students, a lot of students, or a lot of people who come from a, a political mentality, which is like, why would you ever walk out of school? We're supposed to learn. This is, this is the key to success. There are indigenous students, many of whom live in communities that are isolated, that are that are dealing with a whole bunch of other challenges that uh, those those of us who live in in settler, relatively privileged settler areas have no idea about. Ontario has uh, Catholic schools and public schools and private schools. Uh, there's a French system and French students. So there's a lot of challenges there. So I'm just wondering if you could talk about that. And I, there's no one answer. Um, clearly, these are challenges that everybody faces when organizing. But can you talk about that a bit, that diversity, some of the challenges you face? Even just within Toronto, I can imagine that a lot of students, you know, they're not, they don't have animosity. They just don't understand why they would walk out because, you know, their parents want them to go to school. Um, uh, maybe they've just immigrated here or something. 
uh, or there's a perception that only you know certain kids who are born here or whose parents are activists can be activists, and that's not my thing. I, I need to just study and and get a job eventually, or go get you know get a, get good enough grades to go to university. So can you talk about all those challenges? I know it's a huge question, so I apologize, but I, I'm pretty sure all three of you have something <laughs> interesting to say about it. Amina here, yeah, you bring up a really good point, and I do want to mention that these walkouts spread to the French system in Ontario and they spread to the Catholic system. And both of those school systems had walkouts often on the Thursday because a lot of Catholic schools had PA days on the Friday. And even though some of those legislative changes that uh, Ford has put in place don't even affect those school systems, I know the Catholic school is affected quite differently by the health curriculum, they were walking out in support of public schools and in support of public education. And that was really wonderful to see. And they got a lot of attacks by the media, by other students being like, why are we doing this? This doesn't even affect us. And to break it down and to explain to people that even though their school wouldn't be personally affected, they personally wouldn't be affected, that it was important to support the movement as a whole was something really important to see. And you do bring up a good point about about the diversity of Toronto and, and how that adds layers to the organizing situation that we had. And we did come across that. Lots of students came up to us and were like, well, my parents are, I have these beliefs where my parents uh, are immigrants and put a very strong um, importance on attending school and I'm going to be getting in big trouble if I miss class. And so we were sure that the walkout was going to be inclusive in that way that those students, I did, I did talk to individuals in particular who were in that situation where their parents were immigrants and placed a very high value on being uh, and being in school and being present in class and that absences were considered a very big deal and that they felt really badly like they couldn't participate and we wanted the walker to be inclusive and as well that's why we're really trying to branch out in our organizing tactics so we can get all of those people and also we had conversations with people where they came to believe that it was worth it for them because of these issues and that they were going to try and sit down with their parents and have those conversations as hard as they were going to be. Just by way of wrap up, uh, I'm wondering if any of you have anything you want to add. We've covered a lot of ground, but uh, is there anything you want to add so that our listeners can understand uh, better what's happening with the organizing of high school students uh, in Toronto and in Ontario and more generally? Amina here. I want to add on a, on a personal note that the motivation for this really is not for myself, it's for the children in my life and it's for the children that I know specifically that I have deep love for, deep care for, uh, people in my family and and all of those kids that I know are going to be going through the school system and I know that them as uh, queer individuals or gender non-conforming individuals need to be heard by the school system, they need to have their voices recognized. And I know that the young women, the girls in my life, need to be brought up in a culture of consent and a culture of respect for their bodies so that they don't have to go through the issues that we've had to suffer through um, and that all of the generations of women before us have had to suffer, suffer through. And so for this, I would say that we as students know that silence is complacency and the Ford administration knows that silence is complacency and we are not silent because we are not complacent and we do not consent. Uh, ben, Ben here. I, I just wanted to add that the walkout experience was 
already something quite amazing. You could look out. I was standing uh, on on the stairs uh, overlooking our school field and all these students swarming in and coming in close together with strength of numbers and just a one unified message. And it was made even more amazing by having a local school from the area, Humberside, come and join us in our walkout, in our rally, from all the way over at their, their school. And our numbers almost doubled and ev the energy just went up immediately. And everyone was, everyone was just so like united and proud of the things that we accomplished that day. And uh, it, was, it was really amazing to see. Thea Baines, Ben Dahl, and Amina Vance, high school students in Toronto involved uh, in helping to organize and participate in the We the Students Do Not Consent Ontario Walkout 2018. Thanks for taking the time to speak on No Borders Media. Thank you, Jaggy. Thank you for having us. Thanks a lot. It's been a pleasure. You were listening to a No Borders Media audio dispatch featuring an interview with three Toronto Area High School students, Thea Baines, Benjamin Dahl, and Amina Vance, organizers and participants in the recent We the Students Do Not Consent walkout, which involved the participation of upwards of 40,000 high school students in opposition to the policies of the Conservative Government of Ontario. No Borders Media, based in Toronto and Montreal, is an autonomous left-wing media network. We share and create content that supports the struggles of communities in resistance with a focus on the self-determination struggles of Indigenous peoples, migrants, refugees, and working-class people of colour, all in the context of opposition to capitalism and colonialism. Some current focuses include migrant justice, resistance to borders, anti-fascism, and anarchism. We are in the early stages of our independent media project. To stay in touch, send us an email at nobordersmedianetwork at gmail.com or look for No Borders Media on Facebook and SoundCloud. Much more to come in the coming weeks and months. All right then, come on, spin. Let's talk about sex, baby. Let's talk about you and me. Let's talk about all the good things and the bad things that may be. Let's talk about.